Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Happy, happy, happy Friday, MD Nation. As always, this is your host, Dan Mater. And we got a great episode for you guys today. Plus, it's Friday. You know the best thing about Friday? It's not that you're closing down your week for work. It's not that you get to go home on the weekend and spend time with your family. It's that we have Sunday to look forward to. This is where we get all the injury report news, the last tweaks to our lineups, until Sunday morning when we get the official word on guys being active and inactive. But we know that now we have nothing else to do but to wait for football on Sunday and wait for our matchups to begin for fantasy football. That's how great it is. That's why Friday is the best day of the week, second only to Sunday itself. And we have a great show for you guys to go along with your wonderful Friday today as we got the recap for the Thursday night game and, of course, the rest of the games for the Week 5 preview, the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games we all have to talk about. And, of course, at the end of the show, we'll have another mailbag segment from the fans, from you guys who I've got to interact with all week long, and I greatly appreciate it. Remember to make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFF Show or on Facebook at MDFF Show. Or, of course, go to the uh, website where you can get rankings. I got the, all of the updated rankings, including taking the guys out that played the Thursday night game already. So I have all of the updated rankings going into Sunday and Monday's matchups, including accounting for some injury news that we're probably going to get into today or find out later on in the day. And also, you can contact me directly through email there. So that's mdffshow.com, where you can get all that information. And make sure you check out our new articles page, written by our first writer, Chris Dowhauer, who has come out with this season quarter first articles, first quarter of the season articles on the website as well. And that will be getting promoted out on social media very shortly, too. So we've got all kinds of great content, great medias for you guys to be able to get access to that content, all in the name of helping you make the best decisions and give you the best information and the best entertainment possible for you guys. So let's go ahead. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, get started right away with the Thursday Night Football Recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. How about that game last night? 
Two Thursdays in a row that we had a great game actually to be able to watch and talk about the following day. This game came right down to the wire, and I can't believe it that Greg Leleg missed a 44-yard field goal, a distance in which he almost never misses, and never misses in a game-winning situation as he had eight kicks in a row, missed one at the end of this game, and Seattle was able to hold on 30-29. to Now look, this game at first looked like it might get ugly. It was not looking pretty in that first half. In the second half, we had an entirely different game between these two teams, and it wound up being a great one all the way to the end. And we have a lot of things for fantasy purposes that we got to dive into as well. Now first off on the Rams side of the ball, let's talk about the injury news, which is Brandon Cooks. Uh, it looked pretty bad there for a second. It looked like he might have even been knocked out cold because he went limp on the field after he came down with a tough catch in the second half, but was able to get up on his own power, was able to jog off to the locker room. All great signs. Went into the concussion protocol, never came back into the game. He will probably have to go through the concussion protocol heading into week six. The good news, I guess you could say, is that because it's a Thursday game, he will have a little extra time to get recovered. So he has a better chance to be back by week six because of the extra days. So he's not as worrisome going into week six. So then you're going to have him in this one. Unfortunately, he only had two touches total in this game before he went out. He did have a 27-yard run and then he was also able to tackle on a 29 yard pass so for a guy who got injured during the game was hardly utilized there's actually I've seen a lot worse dud games but it wasn't a great one out of him this one he's of course Brandon Cooks will bounce back moving forward the big thing with the Rams the takeaway was that the big winner was Gerald Everett I mean, that was why Robert Woods didn't get as much work. That's why Brandon Cooks, while he was in the game, wasn't getting as much work because Gerald Everett was just left wide open all game long and kept getting fed. 11 targets, 7 catches, 136 yards in this one. Not something that I'm going to expect on a week-to-week basis. Not something that is suddenly going to make him fantasy relevant in my book. But if you're wondering why... Robert Woods wasn't able to take advantage of Cooks being out or why Cooks wasn't that involved up until he went out because he didn't go out until the third quarter. That is the reason why they kept leaving tight end Gerald Everett over, over and over and over again. Cooper Cup did a lot of his damage in the second half uh, when they went no huddle. The Rams did a lot of great things in this game. I love what Sean McVay did. They seemed to open up the offensive playbook a little bit more. They were fluctuating with the tempo. They would slow it down, and then they would speed it up and play up-tempo here and there, just try to get Jared Goff going again, and it worked. Uh, and it opened up a lot of things, especially for guys when we're talking about like Cooper Cup. Once again, nine catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown on 17 targets. Cooper Cup is the Rams wide receiver that you want to own. He is a wide receiver one. The production is just so high and so consistent right now, and really no signs of slowing down. We always knew Cooper Cup was his Jerichoff's number one target in the red zone, but this now, he's the number one receiver everywhere on the field at the moment, and because he always plays the slot position, it's very rare that he's ever going to see a top notch corner especially when you got guys like woods and cooks on the other side that you have to pay attention to so cooper cup moving forward i think has to be considered a wide receiver one and is going to be as consistent as they come robert woods was disappointing in this one five catches 48 yards nine targets should have been a lot better because he should have had a touchdown uh he caught the ball wasn't able to get that second foot down, and he had plenty of opportunity, plenty of space to get that second foot down. 
Uh, that was really on Robert Woods at the end of the day. So he should have had a touchdown. And that also, that pass was about a 15 yard or two. So he could have had a lot better stat line for you here. Uh, obviously, he had a great game last week. Robert Woods is still somebody who I think is just a, a consistent wide receiver, too, who is going to have some bigger weeks for you, but mostly be a solid, consistent producer on a week to week basis. That That's what he is. But. It was disappointing in this game with Brandon Cooks going out early, with the Rams going mostly up-tempo throughout the second half, with Robert Woods should have having a touchdown at the end. It was a little disappointing to see in this one, but obviously somebody you're going to continue to start week in and week out. As far as Jared Goff goes, the one who's throwing the football to all these wide receivers, 29 of 49, 395 yards. So he followed up a 517-yard performance with 395 yards in this one. Only one touchdown, one pick. The interception was not his fault. The interception bounced off of Gerald Everett's hands at the end of the game, was, which wound up being the second-to-last drive for the Rams. Bounced off his hands, and the safety made an Thompson for Seattle made an incredible play on the ball to get the interception uh, and it was able to keep the ball off the ground. So that was not on Jared Goff. He played a pretty clean game in this one, especially when they went up tempo and he was able to get back into rhythm. So Sean McVay should get a lot of credit there. Uh, with Todd Gurley, look, he wasn't able to find a lot of running room. Seattle's a tough run defense, especially with the addition of Javion Clowney, with Bobby Wagner back healthy playing. Uh, they're, just, they're not going to be a team that you're easily going to run on. And 15 carries, 51 yards, only 3.4 yards a carry kind of shows you that, especially with the offensive line of the Rams still not gelling, not playing up the stuff as they had been for the past couple of years. But the big thing you take away is that unlike last week where Gurley and Malcolm Brown both had five carries apiece, Gurley had 15 carries carry so he had a healthy amount of carries but the biggest thing is that Malcolm Brown only had one carry in this game so that's what you want to see if you're a Todd Gurley owner moving forward and once again Todd Gurley finds the end zone twice for the second week in a row so he's back to being a red zone target now in this game he was targeted in the passing game he did have five targets but three catches only six yards they just weren't giving him much room even out of the backfield but I will take the five targets more times than not for Todd Gurley to at least be involved in the passing game and have a role there. I will take that from Todd Gurley owner because better production will come as long as he's getting that amount of looks. Uh, so that that is something I will take moving forward. And you have to be happy with where, where Todd Gurley's uh, direction is heading over the past couple of weeks. And remember, the Rams have a pretty favorable schedule coming up over the next several weeks too. So you're going to have some great opportunities for all those fantasy relevant players, which is pretty much the entire offense. Now for the Seattle side of the ball, Russell Wilson, again, was a top-notch fantasy play. Only 268 yards, but four touchdowns in this one, zero interceptions. He did tack on another 32 yards rushing as well. So once again, proving to be a QB1. If Russell Wilson actually, now that we've closed out September, we're heading into October, he was able to keep this up. Russell Wilson might finish as a top three quarterback at the end of the year because he's putting up some crazy numbers right now, having the ability to throw bombs. That's what it came down to. Look, DK Metcalf only had two catches, 44 yards, but a touchdown on a 40-yard bomb. Uh, David Moore got a touchdown in this one. It was his only catch of the game, but even he was found in the red zone. Chris Carson found uh, got his touchdown from receiving. Uh, Tyler Lockett got a touchdown in this one. So pretty much all the pass catchers except for Will Disley got a touchdown, but Will Disley led the team in yards. Four catches, 81 yards on four targets. He spread the ball around. And Will Disley's on a tear. He continues to be a tight end one. Tyler Lockett continues to be a high-end wide receiver, too, with upside. The only thing you're going to keep going back and forth on is when you can play DK Metcalf and David Moore. Because right now, 
because of the way they've been splitting snaps. DK Metcalf has become a big play wide receiver. Now he got the big play in this game. So if you played him, you're fine with what he was able to produce for you in fantasy purposes. But I do think they're going there's going to have to become a time where we're gonna to have to see Metcalf eventually will take the lead from David Moore in snaps uh moving forward. I think they just kind of get want to get David Moore worked in as he's been back from injury. But two receiver sets is probably gonna be DK Metcalf as we move forward into the season. And he'll be back up to where he was in the beginning of the year where you could almost trust him as a high end wide receiver three and know that it was just it was gonna be more than a bomb that he would be involved in the offense to more degree. But right now they're splitting too many touches where you're gonna have to pick your spots where to play guys like DK Metcalf. As far as the running game goes, Chris Carson was phenomenal. 27 carries in this one, 108, 116 yards. Remember, this is where he, he got the receiving touchdown. He didn't get the rushing touchdown, but Rashad Penny was back in this game and was by far second fiddle. Now, it was the first week back for Rashad Penny. It was a Thursday game. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, as he's coming back from his injury, see if he gets more involved. So we're going to have to keep all that in mind. But for right now, as long as Chris Carson doesn't fumble the ball, I don't think Carson owners have much to worry about and that he's going to get fed. Uh, he only had one catch in this one, only had two targets, wasn't involved in the passing game except for he got the touchdown. So that's all you really wanted at the end of the day anyway. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're good with Chris Carson. You like what you saw there with Rashad Penny's first game back. The split was still heavily in his favor. It will still be interesting to see going into next week exactly what the split will shake out to be. But as long as, like I said, as long as Carson doesn't fumble, he's going to be the guy. He's going to get the majority of the work. It's not going to be a 50-50 split. So that's what you have to look forward to as a Carson owner now, the two weeks in a row where he's played really, really well. So that finishes up the recap for the Thursday night game. Now we can go ahead, we can switch gears, get into our rest of our preview shows we got to talk about, starting off with a four o'clock game and starting off with the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers. On the Broncos side of the ball, no real injury news to talk about, which is nice. Now for fantasy purposes, what are you looking at? Well, look, Philip Lindsay is an RB3. Um, right now, they're just he's between splitting 50-50% of the work with Royce Freeman, the offense not being an offense that you can dependably trust to perform and produce on a week-to-week basis. Yes, it was nice to see them be able to move the ball and put up a decent amount of offensive production against the Jacksonville Jaguars a week ago, but even in doing so... Philip Lindsay only got you about you know six points in standard leagues, and he was just he was serviceable. He was a flex play, so with the split, unless he starts to get more work in the passing game, unless his offensive line begins to improve as the season goes on, I don't think you can trust any Philip Lindsay anything more than a flex play, a low a high floor flex play where you know he's going to get probably at least fifteen touches in the game. So he's going to have his opportunities to at least be serviceable and competent for you, but he just doesn't have much of a ceiling right now. Same thing goes for Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman is just a lower flex play because he doesn't have the playmaking ability of a Philip Lindsay. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet this season. Um, so he, I do think he's due in that sense, but Royce Freeman is, is a lower end flex play for than Philip Lindsay is, but they're both just, that's just where they are. They're not RB twos. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a point where you're going to trust Philip Lindsay to be an RB two at any point this season. I think right now, if you're a Lindsay owner or if you're a Royce Freeman owner, I think the only chance you have of those guys having immense value for you or RB2 value for you is if one of them gets hurt. And depending upon who that is, whoever's able to take over and take most of the reps, that's what it's going to come down to. But as long as both of them are on the field, there's just not a lot of ceiling there to be had. 
As far as receivers go against the Chargers, well, Casey Hayward has not been on the top of his game, and right now they are severely banged up in the secondary, and they are not going to have much of a pass rush this week without Melvin Ingram either. So there should be opportunities here for Joe Flacco. He should have some time. They should be able to get some some separation. So I think Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders are both high-end wide receiver threes this week that you can play with confidence knowing that they will both be involved and both have chances to score touchdowns. Um, so I, I do think Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders are both flex play wide receiver threes if you play in three receiver leagues that you can start with confidence in this game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Noah Fant finally scored last week. The thing about Noah Fant is that while he hasn't been overly productive, they have been consistently trying to get him involved in the offense, especially over the past couple of weeks. So as long as the opportunities continue to be there, I do believe Noah Fant's talent will give him the ability to make some plays moving forward. Uh, and he's just going to get, you know, he's a rookie, so he's, he's just going to get better week to week to week as he develops throughout. But the opportunities are there. There's definitely an emphasis to get him involved. I do think Noah Fant is somebody who is still a tight end too, but a tight end too who might be on the rise and you might want to keep your eye on if he's available on waivers or somebody you can play as a very low-end tight end streaming option uh, if you need to do that as well because he is somebody who can has the ability to make the big play and could have a high flyer ceiling, uh, frankly, for the tight end position. On the Chargers side of the ball, we'll start off. Mike Williams limited the last two practices. It, you know, the Chargers, they practice on the West Coast. They practice later in the day. So we'll find out more exactly if he was able to practice again on Friday. If he's able to practice again today, I would suspect that Mike Williams would be able to make his return against Denver. Now, if he does... Right now, I don't think you can consider Mike Williams anything more than a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three, a low-end wide receiver three at that because he's touchdown-dependent. Look, when he has been on the field, Philip Rivers just he seems he's just, he targets Keenan Allen, and then up until this point, have been tar- targeting Austin Eckler. Regardless, you know Austin Eckler, and Melvin Gordon, which we're going to talk about in a second, we know Philip Rivers is going to target the running back position, um, but he just he hasn't been consistently targeting Mike Williams outside of that. He hasn't been consistently targeting anybody outside of Keenan Allen in the running back position. So that's that's where the problem has been. With with no Hunter Henry, you would think that he would have more opportunities in the red zone, which they have targeted him in the red zone a few times, but also more opportunities throughout the field. I also thought without Tyrell Williams going into this season, one of the biggest reasons I was high on Mike Williams is I thought he could be a wide receiver too because I thought he was going to have, he wasn't just going to be a touchdown-dependent guy. He was going to be a guy who's going to get a consistent amount of targets everywhere throughout the field as second fiddle to Keenan Allen. That hasn't been the case. It's more like Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, running back, running back, running back, and then every once in a while, I'll throw it to somebody else. And that's more what it's been like for Philip Rivers and the Chargers so far. I don't know if that's going to get corrected. So that's why right now Mike Williams has to be a touchdown-dependent type of wide receiver for you. So if you're playing him, you're pretty much saying you he better get into the end zone. Otherwise, I don't know how much production you can really be guaranteed. It's a very low floor out of him right now. As I said, he's a bottom-end wide receiver three, more of a top-end wide receiver four at the moment, especially depending on what kind of scoring format you're in, PPR leagues and half-point PPR leagues. But he is somebody who I do think that you can play against Denver. Chris Harris is probably going to shadow Keenan Allen all over the place. So if Mike Williams can play, he is the guy who should have the mismatch. The other people who should have the mismatch is the running back situation. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. Uh, Melvin Gordon is going to get the start. There definitely seems like there is a game plan for Melvin Gordon to get a significant amount of work in this one. Now, is it going to be the split of last year where it was kind of a 60 60- 
to 65 to 35 to 40 split between the two of them. I don't know if it's going to be the first week. I think we might see more of a 55-45 split between Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, but against the Denver Broncos, who are very vulnerable to the run, as Leonard Fournette proved a week ago to a high level, uh, Melvin Gordon, as long as he's going to have a significant role, as long as he's going to get the start, I do think he's somebody you can go ahead and play. Now, is he going to be an RB1 for you this week? Most likely no, unless he pops a couple of big ones, which is possible against the Denver Broncos. You're playing him, you're expecting low-end RB2 production out of him. That That's what you have to expect going into this game. And you figure Austin Eckler is still going to be a guy, especially in half-point and full-point PPR leagues, that he's going to offer you flex, uh, flex appeal. And he's going to be pretty solid for you there too still. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But I would play, if I'm a Melvin Gordon owner, I would play him this week against the Denver Broncos. There is definitely enough information out there suggesting that he is going to have a significant role on Sunday and that it's not going to be necessarily a 50-50 split. It might be a little bit in favor of Melvin Gordon. So you can play him this week. Uh, with Keenan Allen, of course, you got to have to start him. Yes, it's a tough matchup against Chris Harris, but it's Keenan Allen. He has been the wide receiver one so far this season. Travis Benjamin is still going to be out for this week too, so that could bode well for Mike Williams. There's, you know, there should be a focus on targets. Hunter Henry is still rehabbing. Uh, not that anybody was expecting to see him this week, but just to give you an update on him. He is on the rehab field. He's starting to run around a little bit, so he may be another week or two away from actually being able to make his return. Until then, there's no tight end of note on the Chargers for fantasy purposes. And Mike Bagley. Uh, had a setback in practice, so it might be a few more weeks now before he's even able to come back. So Ty Long, who for from a fantasy standpoint has been pretty productive because they've been kicking a ton of field goals, he is going to still be the kicker for the next couple of weeks. So something to tell us to kind of keep in mind for that game there too. Next game up that I want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, with the Packers, they get the bad news of Devontae Adams is probably not going to play this week. So that really affects a lot of the offense. And just another quick injury update, Jamal Williams is not expected to play this week. So that has a lot of fantasy implications when you're talking about the other guys on the roster that are expected to play. Starting off with Aaron Rodgers. I don't have Aaron Rodgers ranked particularly high. I don't have him projected for particularly high. Without Devontae Adams, look, the Dallas Cowboys are a tough defense. It's going to be in Dallas. He's not going to have his favorite target to go to. He's going to have to lean on Geronimo Allison, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and to some degree, in the red zone at the very least, I would have to imagine Jimmy Graham. Aaron Jones, while he may get all the touches, um, going up against this defense is not going to be easy. They're a pretty good run defense. Now, because he's going to have a crazy amount of volume, of course he's going to have a pretty decent floor, and he should still be an RB2 because he's going to have all of the volume. We'll get into more of what Aaron Jones' value is for the rest of the season when Jamal Williams comes back. Because when that happens, then that's when things are going to get a little bit interesting. But until then, the volume is a safe play for Aaron Jones right there to expect an RB2 level of production on a week-to-week basis. So I'm not too worried about that. For uh, And going back to Rodgers, like I said, I don't have him ranked very high. I think there's going to be other streaming co- options at quarterback that you're going to be able to go to. Look, Rodgers right now looks like he did take over that offense, especially last week. It looks like he's, you know, it's kind of going back to what it was last year where Mike McCarthy called the plays, Aaron Rodgers says, you know, I don't like your play, and I'm calling my own plays in the huddle. A lot of people want to talk about the Packers, Matt LaFleur, not calling any run plays inside the one. Matt LaFleur likes to run the ball. Uh, so that one, as much as an Aaron Rodgers lover that I am, 
that's on Rodgers because Matt LaFleur didn't know. That, that wasn't Matt LaFleur's play call. That was Rodgers saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he decided he wanted to throw the football and call it the audibles in the huddle. And because he's Aaron Rodgers, he gets away with it. And you're not going to hear too much about the coach snapping at the star quarterback, especially Matt LaFleur's position, because he really doesn't have much clout. A lot of people still question as to why he even got the job that he did in the first place. So you're not going to sit there and question, especially publicly, uh, Aaron Rodgers and what he does and if he's changing your play calls. But it looked to me like all of a sudden the Packers went from a team that was trying to be balanced even at a, to a fault where being a balanced team is not not their strength and not really what they should be doing. They should be a pass-first team to being an overwhelmingly pass-first team uh, last week and towards the end of the week before. So I do think this is Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm taking over the offense and getting back to what I do best. But without Devontae Adams in this one, even with what could be more volume for Aaron Rodgers, I still worry about exactly what his upside could be because when they've had to lean on Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling only, the production has been very minimal. And we'll have to see how long Adams is out. It may just be a week. Turf toe can be a little, you know, turf toe can be a little tough. Sometimes it's just a week. Sometimes it can be a month. Uh, it just depends on how severe it winds up being. He wasn't able to practice at all this week, so it's not a great sign. But I think there's a chance that we could see him back next week for you, Devontae Adams owners out there. As far as what that means for Scantling and Geronimo Allison, I think they're both sleeper plays. Uh, they're going to have to get leaned on, but I lean on Allison more than Scantling in this one. Scantling is going to have to make a big play in order, I think, to be fantasy relevant in this one. He's not a guy who, he's, he's still developing, so he doesn't run great routes. He's not a guy who's going to be able to eat up the outside against Dallas. Geronimo Allison is a, the more possession receiver, the route runner, is more looked at when they get inside the red zone. So I do think Geronimo Allison is the guy who might see a healthy volume in here. So if you're in a half point or full point PPR league, I do think Allison could wind up being a low-end wide receiver three, decent flex play for you. And even in standard leagues, because of the volume, because of the red zone ability, he may be the one guy who actually scores a touchdown for you. I think he's somebody you can play uh, there as well. So I would play him. Scantling, if you have to play him, again, they have to lean on somebody. They're going to have to lean on the two of them. Volume should be there, uh, at least more so than it was last week. But I don't know. Scantling has a much wider range of outcomes. He could have, he still has a very low floor in a tough matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. So if I can go in another direction, I definitely would. Uh, a lot of people talking about Jimmy Graham. Look, Jimmy Graham is touchdown or bust. Uh, plain and simple, with with or without Devontae Adams, he's touchdown or bust. And I don't necessarily love the matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. So I have to think there are other better streaming tight ends out there. I would rather have a Tyler Eifert than a Jimmy Graham for this particular week. With Eifert going up against Arizona, just to kind of name one guy who is pretty widely available out there on waiver wires right now. Uh, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, 
and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. But just with Jimmy, just the added volume in this type of matchup on the road, it doesn't really give me much reason to be confident heading into this matchup. So it's not a direction I'm necessarily looking to go. On the Dallas side of the ball, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, sky's the limit. This this Green Bay Packer defense, while much improved in the secondary, is still a defense you can definitely run the football on and run it effectively on. Even if you're not going to have Tyrone Smith in the offensive line, which are probably not going to again this week, uh, there still should be no reason why they're not able to, to carve up the interior of that defensive line against the Packers the way pretty much everyone has to this point. So I expect Ezekiel Elliott to have one of the top games as an RB1 heading into this week. And then also, I think Dak's going to have a better week. There's a decent chance Michael Gallup is able to suit up. We're still waiting to see. He was limited in practice uh, the past two days. So we're going to wait to see if he's able to plug in another limited practice this week. He might be able to play. And that will go a long way in helping Dak Prescott. Because you got J.R. Alexander, who's a very good corner, star in the rise. And he's going to be matched up on Amari Cooper, who's not 100% at the moment. Now, if you have Amari Cooper, you have to play Amari Cooper. So there's nothing really to get into there. But if Dak Prescott has a Michael Gallup on the opposite side to be able to go to and make Randall Cobb play the slot and Jason Witten be a safety blank and Ezekiel Elliott running well, which he should, I think Dak Prescott can have a bounce back week from where he was a week ago. So I'm not panicking on Dak Prescott. I would play him in this game. I think he has a pretty high floor at the very least. Maybe not the highest of ceilings, but he does have a pretty high floor, especially if Michael Gallup is back in the lineup. I do think that'll go a long way in making him be a QB1 again this week that you've come accustomed to him being. Outside of that, there's nobody else really to talk about for Dallas. You're going to definitely start Mari Cooper. If Gallup plays, I think I want to wait a week before I go ahead and play him uh, just to see exactly where is he at you know, with the offense going, exactly how much volume, because we really only had got to see one week out of him um, before he was injured. So I would like to see one more week before I play him, but he is somebody that if he was dropped because he was injured in your leagues, he's definitely be rostered 100% moving forward. He's going to have his opportunities, and he's a young talent coming up as well. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. we got the Sunday night game to recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. And when I say recap, of course, I mean preview. (laughs) Getting ahead of myself already going into week six. Yes, we have the week five recap for the Sunday night game coming out of the break now. And we got to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts in that matchup. Now, the most important thing we have to talk about is the injury side of the ball because we have T.Y. Hilton, who has been able to practice in a limited capacity for the past couple of days. So that means that he should be able to play on Sunday, which is going to be a big boost and needed in a big way going up against Kansas City Chiefs for the Colts. Now, that does a couple of things. One, T.Y. Hilton is a high-end wide receiver, two with wide receiver one upside, especially in a plus matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs, that even coming off the injury, you can go ahead and plug in your lineups right away. So that's number one there. The number two thing is that that helps Jacoby Brissett be one of the top 
streaming quarterback options that you go to for this week. Kansas City Chiefs, you're not going to put up a ton of points, especially with the way the Colts defense has been playing as of late. Now, I will note this for the Colts defense. Darius Leonard came back to practice today, finally. Looks like he's going to be able to play in this one. That may affect the run game, but against the Kansas City Chiefs so far, it's going to take more than Darius Leonard to have a real effect against that offense because no one's really been able to slow down that offense. Even last week, Detroit tried, and they probably did the best job, and they still gave up 34 points. So I'm not really too worried about what effect Darius Leonard may have on McCoy or Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But it is to know that their defense may be a little bit better than it had been for the past couple of weeks. However, still the defense is going to give up a ton of points to the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have, you're probably going to be coming back from behind most of this game or at the very least have to try to find ways to keep up as far as scoring options go. If you have T.Y. Hilton, you have your number one down the field threat, you have number one receiver in general, and you should have helped that open up everything else uh, as well. So Jacoby Brissett should have some good, easy reads. He has been playing very well uh, for the past few weeks. And even last week, he played very well, even without T.Y. Hilton out there on the field. So I think Jacoby Brissett is somebody that you can have a at least a high floor, if not a pretty decent ceiling going into this game against Kansas City Chiefs. So I do, he is one of my top streaming quarterbacks that you can go to if you're looking to stream a quarterback this particular week. Marlon Mack. He has not practiced the last two days. We're still waiting on the last injury reports to come in for today. We will see if he's able to get out there. The expectation is that if he's able to practice today on Friday, that he will be able to go on Sunday. That's the expectation. What we don't know is whether or not he's actually going to practice today. Now he keeps coming out and saying that his ankle is fine. He was, you know, he was taken out of the game because of they wanted to go to Naeem Hines because they were going pass heavy and two minute offense most of the game and up tempo. Um, but he still haven't practiced for the last two days, so this was somewhat concerning. As long as he's out there, he'll be fine. As long as he's out there, I'm playing him because he has been pretty much a low-end RB1 so far through the first few weeks. So I'm definitely going to play him. It's definitely a plus match against Kansas City Chiefs again. But we had to see if he's going to be able to practice today. Make sure you follow me on Twitter for those player news update notifications later on. If he does not go, Naeem Hines is the guy I want to own. Not Jordan Wilkins. Yes, Jordan Wilkins will be the main runner. I don't know if the Colts will plan to run the ball all that often if they don't have Marlon Mack against Kansas City Chiefs anyway. So I do think Naeem Hines could be a flex play in half point and full point PPR leagues if Marlon Mack does not go. And normally you say, well, Naeem Hines is the passing down work. Well, Marlon Mack's been playing a lot in that area as well. They've been pretty much trying to use him as a featured guy with Naeem Hines spelling him every so often or if he's banged up. So I would only have Naeem Hines out there with any kind of confidence if Mack doesn't go because then I can trust the volume. But if not, it's going to be a little hairy as far as how many opportunities he will really get. Uh, So that's something to kind of keep in mind. But if Marlon Mack can't go, Naeem Hines could be a hell of a pickup heading into the weekend. So just kind of keep that in mind as we wait for those last injury report updates. As far as receivers go, Paris Campbell's a little bit banged up right now. Unsure. He's probably going to be questionable heading into this week. But... Even then, the big reason why I think T.Y. Hilton needs to come back is because I don't know if there's a Colts wide receiver you can trust, even in a plus matchup. Deion Kane hasn't been much of a factor, and he's been starting for the last few weeks now for Devin Funches. Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal are just afterthought guys who may give you something but aren't anybody that you want to start in your lineups. They're low-end wide receiver fives. So Paris Campbell hasn't really done much, even with his opportunities last week. Uh, so other than T.Y. Hilton, I don't think there's a Colts wide receiver you can trust, even though there's a match where somebody's probably going to do well, not named T.Y. Hilton, but knowing who that's going to be, I think is next to impossible.
You want to take your chances in tournament leagues on which one that's going to be? Fine, but in redraft leagues, there's no way I'm starting any of them with any confidence. And with tight ends, I think Eric Ebron can be a streaming option for you in this one. You have to figure they're going to have the ability to score. He's going to get his red zone chances in this game. So I do think he's a streaming option for you, but he has been so inconsistent in his ability and his usage, and he hasn't really been playing well in his own right, uh, just in general. So he is somebody who... If you have a better option, I'm sticking with that. But he is somebody you can stream if you're caught in a pinch this week at the tight end position. I'm still not going to touch Jack Doyle anytime soon. On the Kansas City Chiefs side of the ball, we got Patrick Mahomes, probably going to be my number one quarterback of the week. Um, and he is my number one quarterback of the week. My rankings update rankings are up on the website at www.mdffshow.com. So you can go ahead and check out what my expectations are for everyone there. Uh, Damian Williams practice in full all week long. He's going to go. So you're going to have Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy this week. Daryl Williams is somebody I think you can go ahead and if you want to hold on to him one more week just to you know confirm that Williams is in fact healthy, McCoy is able to stay healthy, uh, I could understand a stash play in that kind of circumstance. But otherwise, Daryl Williams is not going to be a guy that you're going to play this week or expect anything out of. He would be merely a stash play to see if both Williams and McCoy are able to stay healthy throughout this game. But I think Williams is in PPR leagues, a low-end RB2 play. And I think LaShawn McCoy, uh, in every scoring format, is a low-end RB2 flex play that you can be able to go to. Both of them should be in your starting lineups, whether it be RB2s or flexes for your lineups this week. Uh, Tyree Kill practices in limited capacity the past two days. It's another one we're still waiting on the official practice report for today. But if he's able to to practice three days in a row, I would be curious to see if they decide to go ahead and activate him or not. Um, we'll see what happens. There hasn't really been any indication from the coaching staff that with him practicing this week, that they are looking to play him this week. The, the census hasn't really changed. It's, we're not going to rush him back when he's ready. He's ready. And when you're the Kansas City Chiefs in the position that you're in at, you know, four and oh now, uh, you can say, you can do things like that. You don't have to rush anybody back. So, and they don't necessarily need Tyree kill to win this game. It's annoying that it's a Sunday night game. So that's something you're going to have to keep your eye on as well, because if you are holding out hope that Tyree Kill it winds up being activated, we may not know because there's a decent chance he could wind up being a game time decision. So we may not know until later on. Uh, so something to kind of keep in mind there. I would lean towards he probably doesn't play this week, but this is a very great indication that he'll be back for week six. But I'm not closing the door on it completely because if he gets all three days of practice, there may be a chance maybe they do decide to activate him this week. So we'll have to see exactly what happens there. In the meantime, Sammy Watkins is a start either way. There's nobody in the Colts secondary that scares me. As far as Mecole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson goes, A, for both of those guys, Tyreek Hill needs to be inactive in order for me to even consider it. And then two, you're only playing Hardman if you're hoping to catch a bomb. Robinson is the receiver two next to Sammy Watkins, who is going to get a little bit more of substantial work, uh, a little more volume that you can sink your teeth into. But really, both of these guys are very dependent on catching bombs, which is always possible. Patrick Mahomes can't say Chiefs, but they are nothing more than flex flyers, uh, just like they are any other given week in this matchup. And that's only if Tyree Kill is inactive. Of course, Travis Kelsey is a tight end one, and I have him as the tight end one uh, heading into this matchup. 
So last game we have to preview for week five is the Monday night football game between the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. This might actually wind up being a pretty good Monday night game. Monday night has been maybe even more dreadful than the Thursday night game so far this season. So it is good to see they might actually have a decent matchup on their hands. We got some great news for Jarvis Landry, the Cleveland Browns earlier. He actually wound up clearing concussion protocol. It didn't look great. He hadn't been practicing at all last two days, but he winds up clearing concussion protocol today. Now, because they got the game on Monday, they do have an extra practice they will go through tomorrow and have a walkthrough on Sunday. So he's going to get enough practice time in. He's going to play. He's going to be good to go. So you can play Jarvis Landry in half-point and full-point PPR leagues as a low-end wide receiver, too, as you normally were. And he's more of a wide receiver three in standard leagues because he just doesn't have the same upside to score. Uh, Odell Beckham, I think, is going to get back and track this game. I think his speed is going to be too much for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, look, their defense has played better, but the one thing you have to keep in mind with the 49ers is that their secondary is built to be physical. They're not fast. There are a couple of four, five, four, six, forty corners now on the outside. Richard Sherman's not the same guy he used to be. He can still be sevy. He can still he can still beat you up at the line. But Odell Beckham's speed, I think, is going to be too much. I think there's going to be emphasis to get him back involved. Uh, they seemed as a team to turn a bit of a corner against the Baltimore Ravens last week. They switched up the formations. They got the running game going. They took some pressure off of Baker Mayfield. They made a lot of steps in the right direction. Direction last week against the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think the 49ers defense is as good as the Ravens defense. Uh, and so I think we're going to see maybe if that momentum can continue. The lasting step that they weren't able to do last week was get Beckham involved. I think we're going to see that this week. Uh, with Nick Chubb, you know, we keep playing Nick Chubb as an RB1. Nothing much to go over there. Baker, I think he's somebody you can start this week. Uh, he's probably more of a high-end QB2 than he is a QB1 at the moment. But going back to my point of they seem to have turned a corner a bit, especially with the play calling last week, that I do think Baker Mayfield is somebody who could wind up having a low-end QB1 type of performance this week. And you can have the regional expectation that that could happen. Uh, I don't think he's somebody who's going to lose you your, your weeks this week. Now, being that's a Monday night game, that is, you know, that's that's the game that's going to dictate whether you win or lose, probably. But from a point standpoint, usually when you look at a quarterback and you say, I think he's going to put up about 18 points, that might not win you the week, but it's not going to lose you the week either. That won't be the performance that does you in. So I do think that's something you can reasonably expect out of Baker. And I do think he has a higher ceiling going into this game if they're able to keep the momentum that they built up a week ago on that offense. Outside of that, Antonio Callaway does come back off of suspension. But with the Jarvis Landry news of him clearing concussion protocol and playing, uh, his value really kind of plummets. So I don't think he's somebody you can start in any scoring format. But we know what kind of talent he is. We know he's going to be the deep ball flyer home run threat of this offense probably moving forward. So I think he is somebody who is going to have some hit or miss flyer type of fantasy value that you're going to be able to keep your eyes on and see how he gets utilized in his first game back. I do think because Rashard Higgins had been banged up and disappointing when on the field, I do think Antonio Callaway is going to get his third receiver starting job back from him uh, starting with this week. Ricky Seals-Jones, look, he had a good couple of weeks. He's not quite on my streaming tight end list yet because it's Ricky Seals-Jones. I mean, he's always had the athletic ability and he's been in positions before where he's had the opportunity. Now, he has a much better opportunity with the Cleveland Browns with the offense that they have than he ever had in Arizona. That, that, that's just very true. But we've seen too many games where Ricky Seals-Jones suddenly disappeared in, in ways that he hadn't. 
If he has a good game against San Francisco, he will be on my waiver wire report heading into week six. So that's pretty much what's going to determine it uh, this week. He, he may be somebody who suddenly becomes fantasy relevant the rest of the season with David Njoku on the IR. So we're only going to keep our eyes on him for that reason. On the 49ers side of the ball, Tevin Coleman was a limited participant in practice. We have to see exactly what the practice report today is going to be. And we still haven't really had a big indication one way or another if he's definitely coming back. If he's The consensus is if he's able to practice all week without any setbacks. Uh, the idea is that this may be the week he does return, but we don't have any confirmation on that as of now. Something else you're going to have to keep watching my Twitter feed at MDSFFshow uh, for when I get that player news update notification. But so assuming he does play, because I think that's the way it's leaning towards right now, Tevin Coleman is the guy that you start for San Francisco. Now, Cleveland has been a pretty tough run defense, so I don't expect you to have a lot. And you may want to actually wait a week to see how Tevin Coleman looks. Remember, high ankle sprain, especially if you come back too early, high risk of re-injury. So I would hope that you have other options. Obviously, you've been having to play without Tim Coleman for the past few weeks anyway. So I don't know how eager I am, but if you're going to start a 49ers running back, Tevin Coleman is who you start. He's the guy who's going to get the, the, work, the bulk of the work. And I think his presence will make Jeff Wilson Jr. go back to the practice squad or at least be healthy and active. So I don't think you're going to have that guy who's been stealing the goal line carries over that past couple of weeks there if Tevin Tevin Coleman is active and playing either. Matt Breida, if Tevin Coleman's playing, I don't know how much I love Matt Breida. It's a tough matchup, like I said. And Raheem Mostert goes back to having no value if Tevin Coleman plays too. That's kind of how the running back situation works out. The only running back I would play this week would be Tevin Coleman because it's a tough matchup. And he's back. We're not exactly sure how the split's going to go. We know Matt Breida's going to get worked in. That's not a doubt. But I don't love the matchup here. And I think you might have better options to be able to go to. As far as the receivers go, I mean, right now, so far, with the way the season has gone, Debo Samuel is the only one that you can trust has a certain level of volume in his direction at the moment. Uh, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams still have not been able to practice this week, so the Browns may be without their top two corners again. But no one's really been able to make them pay for that over the past two weeks yet. They've been They've been playing pretty well in their absence, so... It may not be the juicy matchup that you would think it would be, but plus in this situation, I don't know if there's a 49er receiver you can depend upon to actually take advantage of the mismatch in the first place. We still don't. Dante Pettis has played a little bit more and more each week, but Marquise Goodwin's still getting that start. Debo Samuel is still getting that start. And they have been much to be desired in their own right, except for one game at a Debo. So I don't think there's a 49er receiver right now, regardless of the matchup that you can trust uh, heading into this matchup. As far as George Kittle goes, look, he's due for a touchdown. Um, it's, it's been three weeks because they had the bye week last week. He hasn't scored. Uh, they do give him more volume. He has had touchdowns that have just been called back from penalties so far. I think he's somebody who is due. George Kittle is going to finish as a top three tight end at the end of the season. He's too talented not to. So we'll see where he goes from there. And that pretty much wraps up whatever value you have there. Uh, just a quick note, Jalen Hurd is on the IR for the San Francisco 49ers, so he is not going to be making an impact for fantasy purposes uh, this season. So just wanted to make a quick note right there. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. we got the mailbag segment to get into, and then we're going to head, go ahead and close down the show and close down our pre-work for Week 5. 
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Now it's time to go ahead and get into the mailbag segment, my favorite part of the show because this is where I get to interact with the fans and all of the great ones from MD Nation who have used me as a tool for them to help them win their fantasy matchups uh, each and every week and have interacted with me and it's been fantastic. I've been having a blast, having fun. I love doing it, love giving fantasy advice for people and being a source that you can trust and go to to help win your fantasy matchups. And this is where I get to show some love back. I select a few questions that I was asked between Twitter and Facebook and email and that I can get to that you know, like let fans know that I appreciate them and get them shout out on the show. And remember, Whenever you have questions, if you want to try to have your name shouted out or just have your question answered by a guy who knows what he's talking about, you can go ahead and contact me through Twitter at MDSFFshow, through Facebook at MDFFshow, or through the website www.mdffshow.com. And all of those places, I will get back to you. Even if you don't get selected on the show, I will answer your question personally for you. So always keep that in mind. But to kick it off, we have Amanda from Facebook. She asked... Golden Tate, Josh Jacobs, or Carlos Hyde, I have to pick two. Now, a little annoyed that you didn't give me the, is it a standard, a half point, a full point PPR leak? These are important things for me to realize so that way I can give you the best informative answers that I possibly can. So just keep that in mind whenever you ask me a question. But this one isn't as affected by the scoring format so much given the players in the situation. Now for me, hands down, Josh Jacobs and Carlos Hyde. Uh, Carlos Hyde has a decent matchup against Atlanta. He has been the lead back. Uh, he's been by far getting most of the work over Duke Johnson. Nothing I'm worried about there. So Carlos Hyde to me, no brainer. Josh Jacobs, I know he's going up against Chicago. It's not a very good matchup. And typically, if you had another better option, I would go with that. However, in this instance, if this is what you're giving me in a vacuum, I'm definitely going to be playing Josh Jacobs over Golden Tate. One, we know he's going to get more volume at the end of the day, at the very least. And if there's no Tyrell Williams for the Raiders, he might have to be very involved in the passing game too. Golden Tate, we don't know what to expect out of Golden Tate week one. First of all, we don't know exactly how this offense is going to work with Golden Tate in the lineup. You know, where is him and Sterling Shepard going to line up on a regular basis, number one? We don't know what the rapport between him and Daniel Jones is, as this will be the first time that they're playing together heading into this week. And on top of it all off, they're playing against a really tough defense in the Minnesota Vikings in a game in which I expect him to kind of be dominated by that defense too. So, there's just no scenario in which I would play Golden Tate this week. So for me, hands down, it has to be Josh Jacobs and Carlos Hyde. Next question I want to get up is Gary from Twitter. He asked me, do I start Nelson Aguilar or Larry Fitzgerald? Uh, I believe half point PPR. The answer, hands down, is Larry Fitzgerald. Look, Deshaun Jackson has already been ruled out for Sunday. So Nelson Aguilar is going to get the start. But last week was an indication to you that with all Sean Jeffrey back, Carson Wentz does not actually trust Nelson Aguilar. And if he can avoid going to him, he will. Now, I love all Sean Jeffrey's floor at the very least this week. He has a great ceiling too. Going up against the Jets, being that Deshaun Jackson's not going to play, I think they're going to lean heavily on Jeffrey, heavily on Zach Ertz. Nelson Aguilar is still going to be an afterthought and not something that you can trust going 
going into this week because they may not need him to win the game either. And it's clear that if Wentz can avoid going to him, he will just because of the drop issues that he has. On the flip side, it really shouldn't be much of a question to play Fitzgerald. He's been very good so far this season. He's been a high-end wide receiver two week in and week out. And if you're looking for a wide receiver three, which was the question here in this one, uh, he's a tremendous value at wide receiver three. The volume has been there. And not to mention, they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals this week. There's going to be no Christian Kirk. They have to start Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson as the other two receivers, plus bringing off guys off the practice squad to be their fourth receiver. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald is going to get a ton of work in a plus matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's been very good even in tougher matchups so far this season. So hands down, Larry Fitzgerald for me. Our last question I want to shout out here is uh, Billy from Twitter. He asked, PBR-wise, Jameson Crowder or Tevin Coleman? Now, so I pulled this one out because I thought this was a very interesting one, and it's a tough one. We got word today that Sam Darnold is not going to play in Week 5. Uh, he, Even though he got most of the first-team reps, he looked like he was trending that way. He didn't wind up getting the full clearance that he was looking for to go ahead and play. So he's probably going to be back in Week 6, but he's not going to play this week. That means Luke Falk's going to play against that Eagles defense. Look out. First of all, Eagles defense, definitely somebody you might want to play this week. Just throwing that out there right now if you didn't already pick him up. But a lot of sacks in their future. Uh with Luke Falk playing, Jameson Crowder is a guy who in a PPR league goes from having a pretty decent floor on a plus matchup against the Eagles to, I don't know what he's going to do. So in this instance, if Tevin Coleman practices today and it looks like he's going to play on Monday, which so far that has been the sentiment. So assuming that winds up being the case, I would probably have to play Tevin Coleman I don't love it. It's not a great matchup against Cleveland. I do. I always worry about re-injuries when it comes to high ankle sprains, but we know at least what kind of volume to expect out of him. We, even, even with him splitting time with Matt Breida, we know at least what kind of volume to expect out of him. We know how the 49ers are going to try to use their running backs in their game plans. We have no idea what Luke Falk, because we haven't had a good indication. He came, The first game we saw him play, he wasn't supposed to be the starter. He had come in for a hurt Trevor Simeon. Second game we saw him play was against New England Patriots. He never had a chance. So we don't know if he can consistently at least get the ball to Jamison Crowder or not. We don't. We don't know. Uh, so that's the problem right there. So while it's a plus matchup and you want to play these guys, they've, he's such a low floor in this game because Luke Falk is the starter that I don't know how you trust him. And if you have Tevin Coleman, I would go the Tevin Coleman route because at least you know he's a starting running back and will get enough volume to at least be serviceable for you, if nothing else. Where Crowder may be a complete dud against the Philadelphia Eagles. We don't know. So that, that's where I would go on that, some Billy from Twitter. So that, that's a good question there that I think a lot of people are going to have. That closes down our show for the week. Remember, I'm going to be away this weekend, so I am not going to be able to do the normal uh, two-show recapper for week five. So it's only going to be one show uh, that will recap all of the games in a, in a you know a more brief, to-the-point kind of way uh, than I normally like to do. I like to do a deep-dive analysis, but... It's going to only be one show and to not go too long because we're also going to have to have the waiver wire report. That's going to be out on Tuesday afternoon. So just keep that in mind. That's when that will be available to you. That's when we will be back. 
Hope you, hopefully you guys will be have good luck in your in your matchups this particular week. Remember, I will still be available to you and accessible to you throughout the weekend, giving you player news update notifications. And also, if you have any start sick questions or any trade questions, fancy questions in general, you can still contact me throughout the weekend. I will be there for you guys. Make sure you're checking out one of my networks, Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, or the Unwrapped Sports Network. All networks, all my peers there are doing great work that you can go to for great information and great entertainment purposes uh you don't want to miss out so make sure you check all of them out and make sure you're listening to this podcast on apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher radio public and drop us a review and a five-star rating because that helps the show out in a huge way uh that you guys don't understand i you don't also don't understand how much i appreciate the ones that do because you're really helping the show in a big way when you do that so that's going to close it down for today i hope you guys have a lovely day and i will see you again on tuesday Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 